Hello and welcome to Grade 7's Talk to Experts, a podcast where Grade 7 students talk to experts about their life and their area of expertise. We have a very special episode today in which the Grade 7 students get to talk to the author of a fantastic book that we have read as a class. So, without further delay, let's get started. I'm so pleased to introduce our guest for this morning, who has written over 30 books for teens and young readers, including The Sammy Keys Mysteries, Shredder Man, and the upcoming release, The Peach Rebellion. Uh, she is also the author of Swear to Howdy, The Running Dream, and the book that we're very excited to talk with her about, Flipped. Uh, let's welcome Miss Wendelin Van Drainen. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, um, we're so thrilled to talk to you today, and um, we'd love to cover the following topics in our Q&A. So we'd like to get to know you a bit, get to know you a bit as a person. Uh, we'd like to talk about writing in general, and then chat about the book Flipped. And if there's time, we have a few questions about um, seeing your work on both TV and on the big screen. How's that sound? That sounds great. Fantastic. All right. So let's get started a little bit by having you uh, tell us a bit about yourself. Oh, my. Yeah. Well, I'm a... Uh... I'm a mom, I have two sons, I used to teach school, I was a computer science and math teacher at the high school, my parents are immigrants from the Netherlands, I like to play racquetball, I go running regularly to, um, to keep me sane, and uh, I am very passionate about the stories that I write. That's awesome, thank you so much. So with that, um, with that, uh, Scandinavian background, um, did I pronounce your name right? Or is it a V for your W? No, it's, thank you for asking, no, it's Van Dronen. It's the last name, Van Dronen. Yeah. Excellent, I will, I will correct myself from here on out. Van Dronen, yeah. awesome. Um, so can you share a little bit about your life growing up? What was that like? What do you remember? Oh, my, my life growing up was uh, very family-based. So uh, I, I grew up with two brothers and we lived in a neighborhood where all the kids were about the same age and we would get out and kind of uh, play sport games out in each other's backyards and I, uh, I, my brothers and I got into a lot of mischief. Uh, looking back on things, I'm glad I'm alive. Yeah. Um, so it was, a, it was an outdoorsy sort of life and then in school, um, we were we were all expected to do our best in school, so I was a bit of an overachiever, trying to. I was I was the the type of uh, person like Julie who had her hand up all the time in school and uh, really wanted to please her teachers and please her parents. Um, and then, of course, I'd run wild in the neighborhood with my brothers and the the, the kids who lived there. Awesome. So the uh, the two brothers were they. Uh indistinguishable for other people like matt no, and mike no 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 they're not the matt and mike no <laughs> awesome. i try to keep my family out of it to tell you the truth. yeah yeah great um do you remember anything uh, notable or specific about your seventh grade experience it was awful i remember a lot about seventh grade it was and i think that's why i write for kids with the age group that i write for because i was different i mean my parents uh, they they were immigrants, so they had kind of different sensibilities than than all the you know several generation Americans that we lived amongst, and and so I 
I was a little different at school, and um, I was picked on a lot. I was bullied a lot, so it it was it was very impressionable. And I discovered as an adult that it was fun to relive those years, but have it turned out differently. Like you can create your own uh, satisfying ending when you're a writer that uh, that didn't happen in real life. But I've, I've, let's just say I've written past that part in my life, and I'm now at a point where I try to give uh, people who are that age the strength and like internal strength to know that maybe they're different, but that's a good thing. Right. Awesome. Yeah, um, I, I share that uh, immigrant experience with you because uh, I was born in Mexico myself. I know I look very, very Hispanic, but uh, my, my family are actually German Mennonites that... Um, it, immigrated to Mexico when they were young and then immigrated. I was born there and then we immigrated um, out of Mexico back to Canada. So yeah, it's, it's interesting looking at, at other wow. people through that lens. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I'm going to turn this over to the kids now. So uh, we have our, our first question. Hi, I'm Callie. And what are some important things we should know about you? And aside from writing, what fills your life? Okay, so important things to know about me. Well, um, wow, that's a that's a tough question. I because I live kind of a private life, and um, I I think the things I think and how I feel about things come out through my writing. So whenever you read a book that I've written, you will you will know like my internal workings. You will know how I feel about things and, and what I think. Um, so what was the other part of your question? Um, what are some, um, aside from writing, what fills your life? Oh, so, so I mentioned that I have two kids. Um, they're grown now, so I have a lot more free time than I did when they were in the house. And I get up regularly and I go for a five-mile run. On the weekends, I go for a 10-mile run. And actually, this is part of my plotting that I do, like for my story. I will I will run and think. Um, and then just, I'm kind of a maniac. My day is completely booked and busy with things book-related, things, um, yeah, pretty much all about writing. Writing, running, and racquetball. Thank you. Hello, my name. Oh, hello, my name is Jesse. And why did you become? Well, why did you decide to become a writer? Hi, Jesse. Well, I it was one of those things I did not set out to do. I was not one of those kids who loved to write when I was in school. As a matter of fact, it was my least favorite subject because I could never quite break the code. I never really could figure out what those teachers wanted from me when I would write an essay. So I started writing because uh, something really bad had happened in my life and I just didn't know how to deal with it. So I would wake up in the middle of the night and I'd be like, oh my gosh. Um, and I would write about the bad things that had happened and how unfair it was that the bad things could happen to good people. And what, what wound up happening was that I would kind of fantasize about how I would get back into bad guys in my life. And so I, was, I, I started writing like a fictionalized um, future of catching the bad guys. But uh, that was fiction, right? I didn't, know, I didn't know really anything about writing at all. 
So I just knew I wanted to get back to the bad guys. So I, I wrote this like extension of my life. And it was very satisfying to, um, to kind of fantasize about getting back to the bad guys. And so I became a writer because I, I needed therapy really badly. <laughs> Thank you. I'm Marissa, and what is your writing process like? Hi, Marissa. I don't know if you know it or not, but Sammy Keith's best friend is named Marissa. So, um, my writing process is I will get struck with an idea. Um, they come from a variety of places, but I'll, I'll have an idea and then I'll stew on the idea for a really long time. It's the ideas that don't vanish, that stick with you, and sometimes those are ideas that you don't really want to write a story about. Uh, my my book, The Running Frame, was a story about a girl who lost her leg in a horrible bus accident. And I'm like, I don't want to write that story. I mean, I think that, that your growing years should be full of joy and optimism. And this idea was one that I, I'm like, I don't want to write that. But it just hung around. It wouldn't let go of me. And so the more I thought about it, the more I knew, okay, I needed to at least explore, like do some research. So basically what I do is I'll get an idea and then maybe I'll write three chapters just to get to know the characters, uh, the main characters in the setting, and just get it kind of to, to feel that this is something I want to devote years to because writing a novel for me takes takes some time. And then I usually get to a point where I need to do some research, so I'll go down, you know, do some research. So and then I'll write some more. But basically I write a chapter, I revise it, I put it aside. I write the next chapter, I revise it, I put it aside. I write the next chapter, I revise it, I put it aside. And then I revise all three of those chapters. So there, there's continuity, and then I move forward. Thank you. Oh. Uh, hello, my name is Liam, and on average, how long does it take to write a book? So, um, it, I, back when I had a full-time job and two little kids in the house, it would take me about a year to write a rough draft of a book. And now that my kids have grown and I'm a full-time writer, it still takes me about a year to write the rough draft of a book. So, yeah, it, it takes a while. Thank you. Okay, bye. Um, hello. My name hello. is Yeah, my name is Gwen. And my question is, do you follow the plot diagram like the introduction, inciting incident and rise in action, etc., and when you write? When you write? Okay, so I don't do that with a, a conscious mind, but because I have read so much, because I've read so much and younger, it's kind of, um, it's, it's very natural for me to follow that. And so, and I also listen to kind of my own boredom level when I'm writing, and, and I imagine that I'm your age, and am I going to have the, the Am I going to want to read about something? Uh, is, is the pacing right? Is the pacing such that it's going to hold my reader's attention? Is it even holding my attention? And so I think that I have kind of an internal clock for pacing. 
Um, but I don't like diagram it all out and say, okay, by this point I need to do this, by this point I need to do that. Um, I know that a, a lot of writers write that way, but and my work turns out that way, but I don't diagram it out. So is it always like that or? Yeah, pretty much always like that for me, yeah. All right, thank you. Uh, hi, I'm J oh, hi, I'm Jackson. And have you ever considered writing a sequel to Flipped, or have you ever? Or did you ever? Um, so that is like if there was one question I got from my research notes, it would be that question, and uh, I have I have answered it on so many different platforms, so many different ways. But the basic the basic truth of it is, I think that a sequel would detract from the purpose of flipped. I think that my my reason for writing it is hope is to get people to think about what they want in their friendships and in their relationships in their own life and to analyze that so that it's like what would you do if you were Bryce? What would you do if you were Julie? Um, what do you think these two deserve to, to be together? Do you think they belong together? Um, and then in your own life, uh, can you find someone like Bright? Can you find someone like Julie who matches you the way that you would want them to? So, and if I wrote a sequel, it would it would like settle the whole matter. And then the whole purpose of it is that, that you apply Bryce and Julie's lessons and the things that they've learned about friendship and relationships to your own life. And and if there's a like a pretty bows all over the place as far as an ending then I feel like it's going to take away my whole purpose for writing that, which is, which is learning to see people, you know, beneath the surface and um, getting to know them as a person and their character. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Yes or no would probably have been an answer, but I didn't give you that. Hi. Hi. Hi, I'm Charlie, and I was wondering... How do your book ideas actually come to mind? I, I think that my, my book ideas come from things that I see around me and experiences. Well, start with your own experiences. Most writers do. Most writers' first book is one that comes from their own experiences. Um, but then there's also the experiences of, of kind of a broader world and seeing things happen. Um, in the broader world, but I'm not one of those people who reads the, you know, Florida Sen Sentinel or, you know, some newspaper in Florida, which has apparently just great stories about quirky things that happen to people. I don't do that. I just kind of take take my own life and the things that I think about and fashion a story out of them. So Thank I, think you. I, I wish I had a, a better, like, Easier, like, oh, I look at the internet, I go to this website to get ideas. I don't do that. I just, I look at the people in my life, and I feel their heart, and I, and I kind of weave stories from that. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Um, hi, my name is Eli, and my question is, what is your best-selling book? My best-selling book would be Flip. There you go, a short answer. I'm capable. <laughs> okay, thank you. You're welcome.
just sorry, I just have a follow up question to that then. Um, what is it about Flipped, in your opinion, that makes it your best selling book? Well, I, I actually think it speaks, it's, it's a universal kind of feeling and story um, that everybody at some point had to crush on someone else. I think that it has a, the boys and girls perspective, so both sides of the coin are represented. I think it's funny, but it's also uh, thought provoking. Um, and I think all those things combine. But the reason I think it's as popular as it is, is because students told other students about it. It was one of those word of mouth successes. It wasn't like highly promoted by my publisher. There wasn't any like big story on the national news. It was kids talking to kids. And I think that the movie has helped extend and broaden the um, the love for for Flip. Um, so I'm I feel really fortunate about that as well. Awesome. Yes. Thank you. Um, my name is Aiden, and how do you come up with the names of the characters in your books? This is actually uh, kind of funny because when I was a school teacher and I was writing full time, I would take the character names from my grade book. So I would use the first name from like second period and a last name from like sixth period, and I would put them together and they would be my character names. And then when I was no longer teaching school, because I was writing full time, I, uh, I didn't have that resource anymore. So I wound up using my, my kids' yearbooks. So I would look into, into the yearbooks, like Garrett is a name out of my, um, my son's group of, of people he went to school with. A lot of the names came from my kids' yearbooks. And then now that my kids are grown, my husband has bought me like uh, books on names, but really, I uh, it's harder now for me to, to come up with names and names I haven't used yet because I have like thirty-five books in print. So, um, but originally they came from my grade book and then from my my son's yearbook. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Um. Hello, my name is Gavin. What is your favorite book you have written so far? See, I can't answer that question, Gavin, because it would be like me asking your mom who her favorite kid was. And yes, I know the difference between children and books because I've had both. But every every time you create something, I mean, I've the the latest novel that I've written has taken me three years, so it's it's been this labor of a love for me to write this, this story. And so, but the Sammy Keith novels, there are 18 books in that series, so I lived with that character across the creation of 18 books. And she's just like, she's like a daughter I, I've never had. But it's it's like impossible for me to say which is my favorite book. Um, I, I, my younger son, Says that Swear to Howdy is his favorite book of the books that I've written. Um, but I I don't have anything to tell you. I can't answer that question. Okay, thank you. You're welcome.
Hi, my name is Nixon, and uh, how do you think of the characters in your story, and are any of the characters based on people you know? So, from what I've already said, I bet you can guess that sometimes the villains come from people that have been in my life, and I will change their name, but in my mind, they're that, that character. Like in the Sammy P series, Sammy gets, uh, gets punched in the nose. Well, no, she doesn't. She's, Sammy gets hurt by, by a, a student or class, a girl who's, who's her nemesis, becomes her nemesis. And, and the things that happened to Sammy actually happened to me. And so I, I had this girl in my life who was really mean to me when I was in middle school. And what she does to Sammy in the first book, this girl did to me. And so it was like the villain, although she had a different name than the name of the person in my life. But in my mind, it was that character when I wrote that, that story. And she became this character that went across 18 books. So, um, so sometimes the characters come from people in real life that become fictionalized, and over time they become their own people. They're no longer the person you started with. But the villain is inspired by someone who was maybe mean to you in, in life. So sometimes the characters come from real life people. Um, sometimes they're attributed to a real life person, someone who's, who's been a really positive influence in your life. But inevitably, by the time you get to the end of the novel, the characters have become themselves. They, and it's what's really strange is characters talk to you. It's like when you're writing sometimes out of your fingers, you know, onto the keyboard, comes something they say, and you're like, why did you say that? So they sort of take over, and which is a which is it's a weird thing to talk about, but it's also a really fun part of writing because your characters become like alive to you. They take on their own personality and they, they kind of go their own way. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Hello, my name is Rainer. And how many books have you written? I know, a lot, huh? So there, I, there were like 10 books that I wrote before I got published. So I went to the school of hard knocks of writing, trying trying and trying and trying to get published. And then now I have just signed today, actually, the contract for my 37th novel. So what? I'm a maniac. OK, thank you. Hi, my name is Julia. Is there a writer? My name's not Julia. <laughs> Juliana. Okay, um, is there a writer that you love that you would recommend to a grade seven student who likes to write? Is there a writer that I, for a student who likes to write, right? You're asking about writing. You're in yeah. writing. So uh, I need to plug my own book here, but Hope in the Mail is a book I, that came out of the beginning of the pandemic. And, and it's, it's my my book for those young people who want to be writers. It's everything I learned the hard way. Um, it's stories behind the stories. It's kind of how you get your inspiration. It's also uh, delves into the basics of publishing if you're interested in that. So um, I would I would say read Hope in the Mail. 
to get you inspired to write, to help you with your craft, and to give you an insight into what publishing is like. Okay, thank you. Sure. That's actually, um, I didn't, uh, I didn't realize that uh, that book existed. So yesterday when I was doing, you know, my, my background information, um, I came across it and I've ordered it. And so I actually, it, I got my notification that it's on its way and it, I should have it this afternoon or tomorrow. So that's one that I'll bring into the classroom uh, for the kids. Yeah, that's right. All right. Thank you. My name is Colin, and my question is: How do you? How did you come up with the idea for Flipped? So, the, the idea for Flipped. Um, my very first book is called "How I Survived Being a Girl," and it is no longer in print. But the story is about a girl who lives next door to a boy that she has a crush on, and when that book did really well, my publisher at the time. Oh, asked me if I would write a sequel. And I suggested to them that I write the story from the boy's point of view and the neighborhood. But they were not interested in that. So I um, talked to my, my new editor, who was at a different publishing house, and I told her that I thought it would be fun to write a story to start all over again, just write a story about a girl and a boy that lived next to each other. and um, and what, and you would you would switch chapters, you would switch viewpoints, you would, um, and the whole thing would flip on itself. And she did like the idea, so I went ahead and wrote that. But it kind of was inspired by um, by having a crush on a boy when I was your age. He did not like me back, and um, it turned into this story about Bryce and Julie. And I'm not Julie. Uh, um, she is her own person, but it started with kind of the feelings that I had when I was that age and what it felt like to, to you know, to have a crush on someone who didn't like for that. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, hi, my name is Addison, and what parts of Julie and Bryce were based on real people? Oh, wow. So, um, so... Julie has the traits of being an overachiever like I was. So my heart is in Julie. And, but she is her own person. It's really hard to, to distinguish. I think I'm not Julie, but the impetus for her and kind of the, her, her, her broken heart comes from a feeling that I was very familiar with. Um, and Bryce, my neighbor's boy, was named Charlie. And Bryce was fashioned after Charlie, um, but but Charlie is not Bryce. Bryce is himself. It was just like that was the seed that grew into the story that he became flipped. And I think what watered the seed was that when I was a teacher, I saw that the kids in my classroom were doing the same thing that I had done when I was young, which was I would have this massive crush on somebody and not really know anything about them. So I, and I started thinking, when do we learn that in life? When do we look, learn to look beyond the surface? And some people never do. So, but I think it's like, if we could learn that trait when we're young, it will, it will definitely um, benefit us as we grow and go through our life. So it's, it's, so that was, that was 
where that came from. Okay, thank you. Hi, I'm Carter. Um, what were your thoughts while making the book flipped about flipping between Bryce and Julie's perspectives? Well, originally I thought there would be a Julie side to the book and then you would flip it over and read Bryce's side. So it would be two separate sections where the girl got uh, half the book and the boy got the other half of the book. And you would read the story like this is how Julie saw it and this is how Bryce saw it. But as, uh, as the editorial process went along and as my, my editor and I discussed it, we decided to weave them together. So, but... I just thought it was really interesting how different people can see the same events. Like it's like a coin where you flip it over, it looks completely different on the other side, but it's the same coin. So just exploring that idea from two perspectives. And I do think it was smart to leave them together because then you do get immediately like the, the counterpoint of, of, of you. Thank you. Hi, my name is Addison, and my question is, why did you pick chickens, eggs, like chicken and eggs jokes to be in the book? Well, because I thought they were funny. Um, and there's a lot that you could do with that. And it's also kind of about, um, about life and growing and seeing things differently and being surprised. I mean, they... they uh, just being surprised by things. I don't know. I just really like the whole um, coming into your own, coming into life, cracking out of your shell. There's so many things that came from um, the idea of, of Julie having, you know, raised those chickens that I thought went nicely with the themes of the book. Thank you. Hi, my name is Brett, and my question is, why did you decide to give Bryce the personality trait of being a coward? Um, because I think that it is okay. My neighbor, my neighbor boy that I had a crush on, was not a coward. He was not like Bryce in that regard at all. Um, I think that it is hard to be brave in the face of peer pressure, and so. Um, I think it is common for people to go with the flow, to not cause waves, to dive under, as Bryce described, because it is painful to stand up and um, say what you think is right if it doesn't go with what other people are, are espousing. So, <clears throat> so it, gives him, it gives him as a character, it gives him room to grow. It gives him room to change. Okay, thank you. Well, Hello, my name's McKinley, and my question is, you write a lot of strong female characters like Julie. Was there a strong um, female in your life growing up that you looked up to? <clears throat> so, my mom, she's, my mom, she's passed away, but she was only like 5'2", and I'm 5'11". So she was a, um, a short, very feisty woman. And she kind of instilled me with the notion that I could do stuff and that I didn't have to follow 
um, the kind of the rules of being a girl, um, which were in place at the time. So because she was a real rule breaker in that regard. So I would have to say my mom. Thank you. Hello, I'm Breton, and I was wondering what life lesson did you intend this book to have? I, I just want the reader to, to contemplate their own friendships and relationships and also their own heart. Like, uh, define what's important for you and, and have that reflected in the people you hang around with. So, because I think that once you define for yourself the person that you want to be, that all of your successes will follow from there. Success will follow from there. And if you are wishy-washy and you don't have a definition for, for what you think is right and wrong and standing up for what you think is right and wrong, then you're just going to be pulled around in, by various groups and maybe not wind up where you want to go. Thank you. And I also wanted to say I really love your book. It is a masterpiece. Well, thank you, and that makes me very happy. Hi, I'm Tyler, and my question is, was any part of the book based on a true or similar event? Yeah, there are there are a lot of things that I pull from my own life that I put into the book, um, just because I know how they feel. But specifically, I did not grow chicken when I was a kid. Our neighbors had the messy yard when I was a kid. So you see, you, you can take you can take the environment and then uh, reissue re it to different characters. So you combine things in your life and 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 it becomes its own thing but but yeah there was a tree up the street that we used to play on and climb when i was a kid we used to do um you know bike riding and flying kinds and kinds of things the outdoorsy thing that bryce and julie do thank you Hi, my name's Dallin, and what were your thoughts when you were told that your book was going to become a movie? Yeah, I didn't really believe it at first because there were, they had gone through several iterations. Um, when I when I got a call from Rob Reiner, who you guys probably don't even know who that is, but he's, he's a very famous director who, who okay, he did The Princess Bride, and mm -hmm. it, I adore The Princess Bride. He did Win the Arts and Sally and a bunch of other movies that are very well known and he is very like well respected as a director. So so he calls me up to discuss this with me. And um, yeah, I got a little bit uh, I got a little excited when I found out it was Rob Ryan that was interested in doing it. Mostly because he said he read the book and he wanted to stay true to the book. So hey. When do you hear that from the director? <laughs> Thank you, and we watched The Princess Bride on Valentine's Day. Did you really? Oh, awesome. Perfect. Hi, my name is Esme, and uh, are there any things that you would have liked the screenwriter to change when he made the movie? Oh, that's funny. Well, I, uh, I, 
Yeah, actually, I had a meeting with Rob Ryan. I went down to meet him about the ending because I've been getting mail for years from people saying that they wanted to see right into a kiss. And why wouldn't I write a sequel? And why didn't they kiss and they've been robbed? And I don't know if y'all felt that way, but a lot of people do. So I would write these people, I would write fan mail back, and I would say, well, there's going to be a movie, there's supposed to be a movie. And I'm sure that Hollywood will give it a Hollywood ending. And then I read the script and I thought, well, no, he was pretty much just sticking to the book. And I'm like, well, I've been promising these readers for all these years that there's going to be Hollywood ending. So I actually made an appointment with him and I, I drove down to LA. It was like a four hour drive for me. And I met with him in Hollywood. And it, it's a long, funny story, but the bottom line is I suggested that he have the ending be the way he had it, but then the credits could be rolling by. And Bryce and Julie could be getting to know each other, you know, that's the whole point of the story, you should get to know each other. So they could be riding bikes or flying kites or doing, you know, the things that Bryce and Julie could be doing. And then at the very end, at the end of the credits, they would kiss. And he listened. And then he just did what he wanted to do anyway, he stuck with the book. So, so there you go. Thank you. Oh. Hi, my name's Brody, and my question is um, that we noticed that there were some differences between the book and the movie. Did you have to say some of those changes uh, were the changes you fought against? Well, I didn't really have the position to fight about anything. I didn't get a say in, in anything. Obviously, I, I went and talked about the ending and that didn't But I... I realize now that I have done some script adaptations of my own for other books. So I've written scripts for some of my other books. How difficult it is to take an entire novel and boil it down to the, the number of pages, maximum number of pages required for a feature script. And, and I think it's a good exercise for any author who grumbles about how parts are left out of the movie to try to adapt a novel into a script because it's true things have not everything can make it like champ the, the dog did not make the movie there's some other things that did not make the movie but by and large flip the movie is so much like flip the book it's more so like the book than any movie i've ever seen and i consider myself to be really lucky that uh had a director Loved the book and wanted to stay true the book. Uh, but yeah, I'm his champ. <laughs> thank you. Hi, it's Julia again. How were you involved in the movie making process? I wasn't. I wrote the book. And they invited me to come and, um, and be a guest at the at the uh, filming in Ann Arbor, Michigan. So I think that's closer to you than it is to me, Ann Arbor. Um, and so I, my family and I went to Ann Arbor and we spent, um, I don't know, five days observing and just getting, um, just getting, getting to see how it was done. And that was, that was really exciting, very educational and really nice. But I didn't give notes on the script. I didn't do anything in that regard. 
Um, he said it in the 50s and 60s. I had written it. When I had written it, it was to me a contemporary book. It wasn't something that was a period piece. So that was his big change. And I actually think it has made it timeless. So, um, and he asked, he asked me to discuss that with me. You know, what did I think? And I, and I, I said I was okay with that. I understood why he wanted to do it. He wanted to do it because he didn't want to have to deal with cell phones. And he felt that the book had an innocence to it that he wanted to capture. And um, he thought that era would be good for that. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. So that's the um, that's the end of our scripted portion. Oh, sorry. That's the end of our uh, scripted portion here. Um, everybody had a chance to ask at least one question, which is fantastic. Um, a couple things that I that I picked up on as as you were talking. Um, yeah, these guys definitely wanted a kiss at the end of the movie. Um, they were well, some of them did. Okay, yeah. Um, but I, I too appreciate that uh, that there wasn't one in the movie um, and or in the book. I. I love the way that you explained it, that, you know, it, it leaves it open to possibilities for, for things that have happened. Um, they asked me this morning, how many times have I read the book myself? And I, this is at, this is at least the seventh class that I've done it with. So I read it on my own and then I, I read that one and there's, they say, aren't you bored of it? And literally, no, I'm, I'm never bored of this story. I love sharing it with, uh, with new people. It's uh, such a fantastic story and great for this grade level. Um, one of the things that I appreciate about the book is it's not just the alternating perspectives, making sure that everybody everybody gets a say. Um, it's it's your word choice. Uh, there's often alliteration in there that just makes me smile when I read it out loud. Um, there's some phrases like uh, I love a swift kick, well placed. Um, just your word choice in there. How conscientious are you when you're writing? Um, about those word choices or those egg puns or, or that type of thing when you're writing your first draft? So they, those, those come as I write, which is, which is I mean, I, I, I don't plan them out. I don't say, oh, this is a great turn of phrase. I think I'll wedge that in somewhere. It's just like I'm in the moment. I'm, I'm with those characters. I'm going along. And hey. then it just it comes out. And in the the revision process, you can it it's fun because you're a you're a step removed from them. It's fun to see more of it as a as a whole, and then you can you can do the. I love the cadence of words, like when they're placed in a way that makes you that feels lyrical. I, I the rhythm that. of so, it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I work toward that in the revision process. I I will I will mold that, and then sometimes something funny will just will occur to me, like because part of the cadence of it or part of the 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 thread, like the the A joke thread, might become clearer because you're reading it more quickly than you were writing it. And so, so I work. Does anybody on have that any follow up questions that they would like? I'll see if she has some time. Okay. Uh, but I wanted to to feel like it's a fun thing to read as opposed to kind of just working through it. So yeah. that means a lot to me, what you said about not boring and about just having the fun of it. I'm, I'm glad that that has translated and, and, and held your attention through all the, you know, sharing of it. So.
Yeah, absolutely. And there are times when I'm uh, like, I'll get halfway through the book and then I'll start reading and I get excited because I know what's what's going to come up and I know what the reaction is going to be. So it's it's definitely one of my favorite books, period, and one of my favorite books to uh, to teach with. Um, do you have a couple minutes for some some other unscripted questions? Absolutely. So guys, if you have any unscripted questions or things that you hadn't had answered yet, if you want to come up. All right, here we go. Hello, or hello, it's Breton again. And I was wondering, why did you want the character characters to unfold the way that they did? For example, like Bryce acting like a coward at the start of the book. So I think that when you're when you're writing, you want that when you're a young writer, your your tendency is to protect your main character. So they shouldn't have any flaws because they kind of a reflection of you. So as you become a more seasoned writer, you realize that what makes a character interesting is that they do have flaws. So Julie's flaw is that she's crazy for this guy and she doesn't really have any reason for it other than he's adorable, you know? And and Bryce is a coward because he can he can he can develop his spine. You know, he can get a backbone. He can this this gives him room to move. So where Julie can can start to see that she's been very surface oriented. Um, even though she's a deep person, she's very surface oriented about her neighbor boy. And Bryce can see that he's been very weak and he can develop a strength, which is hard to do. So it's it, you have the flaws in your characters to make them feel real, because none of us are perfect, you know, we all have flaws. And the cool thing about life is you have the chance to improve. So just seeing the growth in the character, I think is very, is very important to feeling that the characters are real and to the purpose of the story. Also, um, why have those extra moments with Uncle David and Shelly and Miranda and Jenny fighting over Bryce? Um, okay, so Uncle David is, to me, a kind of total separate thing than Shelly and Miranda. Um, so Shelly and Miranda... Um, what didn't make the movie, which I loved in the book, was that Shelly Stahl got all this, like, food in her hair. <laughs> I loved that. Um, so that's one thing to answer the question about, what did I miss out of the movie? Um, so that would have loved to see that. But um, it's, it's kind of like they are all about, like, Julie has evolved from that. You see her evolution through that. She's put up against these really pretty girls in school, and I think most of us girls feel like there's some pretty girl that we just cannot compete with who likes the boy that we like. I mean, it's a very common thing. Um, so, so having her, having her see the behaviors of these girls, and then Bryce recognizes that they're just vacuous. They want to talk about their tan. I mean, it's they're just vacuous. Where Julie wants to talk about. You know, for medical emotion. So it's like she is just making him dig deep into what is it I see in these girls? Why is so it, there's a line up, no you know, she'll start with a popular girl in school? Well, it's all surface. So the thing with, with Uncle David, the, the extra scenes with, with Uncle David, um, 
I, I think that there's, I don't know, it's just to bring home the fact that it's, that's a hard situation to be in. And the, the Bakers were trying to do the right thing by Mr. Baker's brother. And they made a lot of sacrifices to do that. But they felt like it was the right thing to do. And so they were willing to make the sacrifice. Great, thank you. Hello, I'm Jackson again. And um, if there was anything in the movie that you could change, what would you? How about I talk about what they did change? So they have this like Playboy magazine in the movie that's not the book, and they have um, they have a couple of swear words, and the reason for that is because. Rob Reiner did not want the movie to be rated G. And it was such a sweet, innocent movie, it would have gotten a G. And so he felt like teens would not go to a movie that was rated G, and he wanted to get a PG, a PG rating instead. So there were some things added to the movie uh, that were based on his wanting to get a rating that would encourage teens, not discourage teens going. So this doesn't really answer your question, but I, I think it's Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Hi, uh, I'm Brett, and my question is, um, were you disappointed that they named Shelly Sherry in the movie? No, and the reason, I mean, they changed, they changed um, Uncle David uh, to Daniel, so there were changes made, but, but they explained the reasons were because apparently you have to clear names. So if there is a person with that name in a town with that name, then you, you have to get the name cleared so somebody won't sue you. And so they made some adjustments to the names in the movie from the book based on avoiding potential lawsuits because people are you know people okay thank you so, no, i understood the reason and i i went when, when, you know when you talk to somebody you get an explanation for why they're doing something often it makes sense hi it's eli again and my question is um what is your favorite author or who is your favorite author okay so my favorite author well i i i have to say that he's right here but my husband also writes young adult um, novels, probably for a slightly older audience than you guys. So my husband is my favorite author. What's his name? And I like Marion Webster a lot. Um, what's, what's his name? <laughs> my, my husband's name is Mark Parsons. Mark H. Parsons. He has a book coming out in the fall called The 909 Project. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Hi, it's Nixon again. And how did you come up with Bryce's dad's like character? Oh, I, because I I've known enough people like Mr. Lockie who are who are very um, pleasant on on the surface of it, but inside they have something that that's angry and um, and and it, well. They have opinions about people, strong opinions, and um, so I've known people like that. So he he was not hard to draw. Thank you.
Hello, I'm McKinley, and why did you choose for um, the Lasky family to be rich, but be also kind of mean, and have Julia's family be poor, but really nice? Well, it's not that I think rich people are mean. I just think that um, and that poor people are necessarily nice. I mean, it, it was just the, the dichotomy between the two. And why did the Loskies value? So the Loskies valued the things which were appearance things. They valued the nice china. They valued the nice, you know, the nice looking house. They valued the things, the surface things, where the bakers put their their value in family and doing right by Uncle David and working hard and you know so so um, so it was just it was kind of a reflection on their values as opposed to saying that you know rich people are are mean and poor people are mine. So I wasn't saying that at all with us. It was more where do you put your value? Thank you. Hi, it's Addison again, and I was wondering, what year did you want to set your book in, or is it the same year you wanted to put it in? Well, so the movie's set in the 50s and 60s, but I wrote the book um, when I was still teaching school, so that was, it came out in 2001, I think. So for me, it was in that era, as opposed to, you know, 50 years before. Thank you. All right, by, by way of wrapping up, I'm wondering if you can give us a little sneak peek of uh, the Peach Rebellion. What's it about? Oh, wow. So, I'm terrible at this. <laughs> the Peach Rebellion, okay. It's set in 1947, the Central Valley of California. It brings together three girls from their, their team. Uh, it brings together three teens from three uh, social classes, economic classes. One's um, from Oklahoma, and uh, and she's poor. She was part of the Okie migration to California. The other one's a peach farmer's daughter, and the other one's a banker's daughter. And they are they have differences in the way they see life, but there's a big thing that ha happens in their life, which is about coming together for one single purpose to make life better for you. Awesome. That sounds really interesting. Um, Swear to Howdy was my first uh, introduction to you. Um, and then, of course, Flipped and then uh, The Running Dream. Um, so I'll definitely be be uh, one of the first to pick up the Peach Rebellion. Um, thank you so much for your time. We really do appreciate it. Um, thanks, class, for your questions. And uh, again, thanks to you for uh, joining us today.
We'd love to hear from you. Send your questions, show ideas, or any other feedback to talkingtoexperts at gmail.com.